Hello, landing page optimization listeners. This is your host, Tim Ash. Next time you browse through iTunes or the Google Play Store on your smartphone, make sure to land on and download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app. Listen to new episodes of LPO every Monday or catch up on all the interviews featuring me speaking with the best and brightest conversion thought leaders of today. Download the webmasterradio.fm mobile apps in the iTunes Store or via Google Play today. Welcome to LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Landing Page Optimization expert Tim Ash is here to show you what it takes to create optimal landing pages. LPO brings you detailed case studies, opinions, and analysis from the leaders of landing page optimization. Now here's your host, Tim Ash. Welcome back, loyal listeners. This is Tim Ash, your host for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. I'm just thinking that we should probably relabel it CRO, Conversion Rate Optimization, because that seems to be the coin of the realm these days. Uh, regardless, today I'm very happy to announce my guest, uh, Gene Hopkins, and Gene is the EVP and CMO of Smart Bear Software. She's also very experienced in a variety of online marketing and sales functions and has been a very well-received speaker at our last San Francisco Conversion Conference. So welcome, Gene. Oh, thanks a lot, Tim. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining me. I know that um, a lot of times what um, what I what I hear about, especially kind of in business to business settings, is like this this almost war or confrontation between marketing and sales. And I mean, you'd think we should all be on the same team, but I just want to talk about how we in marketing creating these leads and opportunities um, impact the sales team and why sales doesn't really like us that much. What are are your thoughts? That that sounds so negative. Um, I I think sales and marketing people, I like to call it smarketing, it's sales and marketing and trying to get that kind of alignment. Um, A a really good marketing person, uh, like yourself, Tim, I mean, you're you're basically selling, right? Marketing people seem to forget that we need to carry a bag, we need to have a quota on our heads as well, the same way as salespeople do. And if you do have that number on your head, you have a lot more empathy for what the poor sales guys go through through every single day, month, and quarter. Okay, so, but that's a pretty provocative statement there that marketing (laughs) should carry a quota. I mean, uh, I don't think a lot of marketing people are going to sign up for that one. No, they, they, they won't sign up for it. But I'll tell you, if you want to get your CEO's attention, you say, I will sign up for a number. I will sign up for delivering this number of MQLs, marketing qualified leads, and the number of opportunities that those leads will convert to. I think a lot of times we focus on the aggregate or the very top of the funnel, and we don't necessarily try to, to get to the point to understand the conversion formula to be able to get to the point where it's actually turned into revenue. We kind okay. of... So, so I mean, so MQLs. I mean, marketing qualified leads. I mean, let me just kind of expand on that. So, for for the um, acronym challenge, marketing qualified <laughs> leads are kind of the idea of of a, of a valid prospect. But it seems like there's different ways of gathering those, and you know, marketing's responsibility is different. Sometimes um, MQLs are basically I got a form fill somewhere. Uh, and I'm going to call this person. Sometimes it's somebody handed me a card at a trade show. We scanned it in after the show, and I'm going to just, uh, you know, totally pit bull these people till they answer the phone. <laughs> what, what, what is a marketing qualified lead in reality, or what's the range of possibilities there? 
Well, I think for, for some marketers, they look at something like an ebook download or a webinar registrant as being a marketing qualified lead. But in rea- reality, that's an inquiry. It's somebody that's raised their hand and said, I might be interested in your solution or what your offering is. It depends. You have to kind of define it for your particular organization. Now, there's white bread leads, which I would call those marketing qualified uh, inquiries, and then there's let's call them wheat bread, the 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 whole grain type of leads, which for very <laughs> many organizations you might consider those to be maybe a free trial of your software, or it might be a demo request, which is like the gold standard. Uh, I mean, how many how many prospects actually raise their hand and say, "I want a demo. Please have a salesperson pitbull me," as you yeah, just pointed I, well, out. Well, you know, <laughs> so let's well let's talk about that kind of the notion of even a, an inquiry because I, I'm more conservative than that. If some you know we do a lot of webinars, for example, sure. uh, a couple of months and. It's just because somebody signed up for a webinar, I don't think they're interested in our services. A lot of people are there because we're putting out good thought leadership and education, and their intention is to learn from us and do it themselves. They might work for an agency. They have no interest in having us do stuff for their clients. I'm okay with that, of educating the larger public, but I'm under no delusion that those are ever going to, most of those will ever turn into anything else. But that's true because they, they are your fans. They're your community. They'll share your information. That's what's so awesome about that. You have, Tim, you have an awesome group. I mean, I've been following you for years. You're a leader in this particular space, and you know more about any type of optimization and conversion than just about anybody I know. And no, you've you. written books, and you're, you're a great thought leader. So people do want to follow you. And I know when you did a webinar, for instance, um, with Mike Volpe, who is the CMO of HubSpot, I know that at that time we got tens of thousands of people that wanted to register because the database at HubSpot was over a million people. So you get the HubSpot database, you get your thought leadership and Mike, who's an awesome speaker, and you put the two of you together and it's just gold. But the number, so let's just say you got 20,000 people that registered for the webinar. As you mm-hmm. pointed out, half of them you can just say, these are fanboys. These are people that are not going to be customers. Of the remaining 10 10,000, what you want to do is be able to nurture them to see if they'll raise their hand and say, yes, I do want to trial our software. I do want to trial Attention Wizard. Right, right. I no, do don't, do, yeah, yeah, no, don't get me wrong. I mean, we track this stuff by, sure. by source, of course, as you guys do did when yep. you were at HubSpot because it's all built in. But um, you know, we know a certain percentage, a certain low percentage within an 18-month time frame will become clients, that sort of thing. Um, sure. But I was just saying that it, certainly the sales guys don't want want to talk to the webinar registrants. I mean, you know, Absolutely. one of the unfortunate things is like we use uh, GoToWebinar, for example, and the minimum set of data that it collects, it asks for your name, your email, I think it asks yep. for telephone and several other fields that are kind of the default configuration. Just because you have that information doesn't mean that person wants to talk to you. Exactly. And that's where sales has a disconnect with marketing because sales in most sales function, let's say you're an inside salesperson, you have an installed base of customers, you have a pipeline that you've built up, you have an installed base of customers that you're supposed to take care of. So part of your time is for the prospecting. And if you don't make it worth the salesperson's while, a lot of salespeople don't like to pick up the phone a hundred times a day to be able to get to those five connects that are going to lead to one customer. So the hundred inquiries that you've given, it's your responsibility as a marketing person to elevate that. So one of the things that we do 
at SmartBear as a part of the marketing team is I have uh, BDRs or business development reps or let's call them telesales people. They're entry-level salespeople that are trying to get in through the door and the way that I try to figure out how good they're going to be is how many times do they pick up the phone. I'm looking at the metrics of I'm giving you a lot of these inquiries. I, we, we're generating tens of thousands of these in a, any given month, but I can't give those to the sales guys because they're not going to be able to sell to our installed base as well as prospecting. So, and so it's kind of like those uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross leads. If you've ever seen, <laughs> if you've ever yeah, seen that, 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 that movie, I mean, it's like uh, the, the fact is that uh, I guess let me put it this way, that um, I think it's our responsibility as marketers to actually back off the expectations of salespeople. They should only be getting quality stuff from us. And if it's not ripe yet, then we should be developing it further via marketing automation, uh, basically email, and it could be very targeted kind of messaging. But over time, and until somebody really pops their hand up for a more kind of proactive engagement, they shouldn't even go to sales. That's kind of my overall view on it. Yeah, you know, and, and it's funny because um, I work with a, a, on the advisory council of another software company, and last weekend, last weekend, they sent me an ebook and said, um, I need to get my MQL number out, and I'm sa- and I said, well, I guess it would have been the previous weekend, right before the last week of the qu- the month, the quarter, and the first half of the year. And I said, Jason, do you realize how many emails I'm getting right now? Because so many marketers are hitting the gas pedal at the end of the quarter, at the end of the first half of the year, because they all say I have to get my MQL number. I don't know a single salesperson on the planet that is not trying to close business in that last week of the quarter and flooding them with any type of new leads. So tell me, Tim, how long does a lead stay fresh? If somebody says, raises their hand, God willing, that they raise their hand and they say, I want a demo, how long do you think that lead's going to stay fresh? Well, in the end, it depends on how that comes in, too. I mean, one thing Inside Sales done some research, I believe it was with mm-hmm. jointly with Harvard or MIT. MIT. And what they, yeah, and what they, they found out that your likelihood of ultimately getting business from a prospect goes down by a factor of 30 if you delay by a half hour versus five minutes or less in calling them back. Absolutely. A factor, a factor of 30, not a 30% right. decrease. Right. So, you know, because they're not in the same place thinking about the same thing, they've moved on. So chances are that, you know, you, if it's not immediate, it's, it's going to go stale. And that's why I think marketers, if they understood the sales process, marketers are always trying to think ahead. A good marketer is thinking about, they're not thinking about June on the last week of the, the month, the quarter, the first half of the year. They should be thinking about what am I doing in September? You should be kind of planning yourself 60 days out, figuring out how am I going to get to my lead number that I need to help the, the organization hit their revenue number, working backwards. How many MQLs, how many leads does it take to get to an MQL? How many MQLs does it take to get to a sales accepted lead? How many sales accepted leads does it take to get to an opportunity? A good thing to look at is Serious Decisions has a fantastic reverse waterfall. And if you can kind of figure that out, then you know what your number is. You know what you have to get to. And I 
don't think enough marketers hit the gas um, right out of the quarter. Like, how many emails have you received this week? A lot of people are saying, "Oh, it's Fourth of July week, or you know, this particular week." So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try really hard because nobody's gonna read my emails. Well, if you're a global company. Not everybody in the United States actually, not everybody in the world celebrates the 4th of July. And I have to tell you, many parts of the country, they don't celebrate the 4th of July either because it's just not part of their DNA. So why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we as marketers trying to think outside of ourselves and understand that in order to help the sales organization, we have to have like a steady run rate of of leads that we're generating for them and not these spikes that this pig in the python kind of a thing that that challenges the sales organization that's why they get annoyed with us yep okay well we're going to pick that up after the break uh this is tim ash your host for lpo landing page optimization more lpo landing page optimization in just a moment I'm John Ball, and I'm one of the founders of Page One Power. Page One Power is a custom link building firm based in Boise, Idaho. We increase search rankings and web traffic for world-class brands and mom-and-pop shops all around the globe. Our link building strategies work because we focus on relevancy and quality, and we don't outsource anything. Our in-house staff of professional writers and researchers is the best in the industry. We're the link builders you've been looking for. Visit us today at pageonepower.com. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS, text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm, sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Hold on to your white hat or... Black Hat, WebmasterRadio.fm is ready to take you behind the backlinks. We're digging and scraping past the surface of everyday news and views of search engine marketing and dropping our proverbial anchor text on the important issues affecting the industry with our panel of search engine insiders. Behind the backlinks. Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. On demand, anytime, inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. And uh, I'm here with Gene Hopkins from... 
Smart Bear software. Uh, one one thing I want to you know we were we were talking about uh, again kind of the responsibility of marketing. So I think I'm getting a better picture of it. What you're saying is you know marketing has to pl- provide you know a steady flow and. Uh, it has to be of appropriate quality stuff. So, yeah. So, one thing I want to explore is exactly where does that responsibility end? Where is it still nurturing and marketing the lead versus having handing it off to sales? What are some good pointers of when it's sales ready, if you will? Well, a good thing to do is ask the sales organization, um, being able to have regular meetings with the sales team and maybe having a monthly review of how the leads turned out. I might suggest the, the, the lead to whatever the marker is, what, if you have a specific thing that they consider a high-quality lead, what's the percentage of number of leads that have moved to that high-quality stage? And, and being able to look at that in... Um, very specific snapshots. Okay, one thing that we've often seen is that there's lead scoring or lead grading. So the idea would be you actually take your customers, look at their characteristics, and then build a predictive model of things that you've discovered during the marketing process, you know, things you know about them, like their name, their geographic location, their job title, whatever you may know, company size they're with, and then build kind of a a very simple predictive model of how likely they are to be a good lead. Is that something that you found useful or have ever done? Oh, yes, it's, it's, it's possible to do that. The, the challenge with that type of a model is that it is constantly moving. And depending on the product groups that you're dealing with, there's different sales cycles, there's different challenges. At SmartBear, we have six unique product groups with about 17 different personas, um, depending on who is actually doing the buying. Our, our general... Um, benchmark or denominator, if you will, is that you know 100% of our customers have engaged in a trial of the software. So that's our denominator. Okay, so that's so that's one good thing to understand, really, in terms of uh, the bu- understanding your business model. I would say, and saying what is the appropriate call to action for the web, because especially if you have some kind of more expensive business-to-business solution, you know, buy on a website is obviously not very <laughs> realistic. So, uh, I mean, maybe try is the appropriate thing. Or, um, and even that's going to be a big investment for people. For example, if your software really is invasive, let's say you have software, and it's invasive, it makes me change my workflow. Um, the kind of offer that you make on the trial we found is critical. For example, if you say try our content management system and just move your website onto it and you have a three-week <laughs> trial. Well, I'm not going to bother because it does. there's not enough value there for me. So can you talk about how marketing can inform the appropriate call to action? Well, that's that's a good point because it, for individual products or what is it, I, what I see on a lot of home pages or on a lot of landing pages is people go for the goal. They ask for the demo and, in, and their ask really or their call to action should probably be something higher up the funnel, whether it's an ebook or a webinar to be able to get them to je- actually have a level of interest in what they're doing. This is this is the challenge because you know Tim you, you talk to lots of different marketers and they all have different needs they all have different customers they all have different personas and I can't generalize about this because it's even in the market segments that you're working with an enterprise customer is different than a small business customer and 
I, I, I have to say about e-commerce as well that sometimes buy is the solution. If you're offering a $400 product, sometimes it's simpler for somebody, a developer or a QA tester, to just buy the product and play with it. It's a, it's a low-cost solution. So it's – I hate to generalize, I guess. Yeah, well, I guess, well I, I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is I think it is marketing's role to define appropriate calls to action and conversion points on the website. Or on the campaign landing pages. In other words, uh, again, if I if I think that um, the what you should have, well, for our attention wizard software, for example, you know, kind of uh, predictive heat maps of mm-hmm. landing pages and where your, your visual attention is going to go. Maybe yeah. it's not a one month trial. Maybe it's a certain number of heat maps that we give you. You see how it, it can be very different because you, what you want to actually build during those demo or trial phases is often uh, a sense of habit or habituation. And a lot of times, you know, you just get the sales guy saying, well, I don't want to give away more than a month of it. Well, what if you got them hooked on this stuff and it mm. took three, three months, but then you got a twice as high a conversion rate on the back end? So I think it's marketing's role to help define what the appropriate kind of bribe, bait, or, or uh, micro-conversion <laughs> is along the way. Well, any any you reactions? Bring, you bring up an excellent point because as part of the lead scoring, that if someone just coming to your homepage, that's relatively low score. That's just somebody coming to your front door. But if somebody goes in and they actually look at a product-specific page and then they go to a pricing page to find out how much it is, if you could evaluate how long that they've been on the website and if they go to the pricing page, they're clearly evaluating at that point. If someone is on your website and checking you out for a couple of minutes or if they've come back a couple of times, that's part of the right. lead scoring. How many times have they downloaded? How many times has somebody done an attention wizard with you? Because you give away, I forgot how many it is, a couple of months, uh, you know, for people to be able to test and see how cool it is. So if people keep coming back and testing it, you're going to have some agencies that are going to do it. They'll never buy. They're, they're using it for other customers. But if you have an enterprise that's looking at this or an IT person or a marketing person, that has a higher value depending on the title. Maybe it's the title. Maybe it's the yeah. company. That sort and, of thing. And specifically with uh, one of our partners is, is Demand Base out of San Francisco. And they're yeah, able they're to, in real time, for this is for business-to-business applications, append a bunch of information about the visitor. So they can tell you, in many cases, what company they're from, industry, number of employees. And, and given all that, you should be really, through fairly simple customization, uh, create a more kind of one-on-one experience for that person, and so you have a kind of a double whammy. You have you know more about them, so you can lead score them more effectively, and you can create a more appropriate experience so they're more likely to respond even above and beyond kind of your average experience. And, and that's the show me, you know me. So when a salesperson has all that information, they have the ability to look on LinkedIn or look on Twitter to be able to say, I see that this is what you're doing. I can see this is what your organization is doing. I understand your business. I mean, as a marketing professional, I become quite annoyed by salespeople that call me up and say, tell me a little bit about yourself or tell me a little bit about Yeah, that's your homework to do. You <laughs> should already know about that. <laughs> but, but as a marketing person, if you can, like with the man base they do a great job with that that if you are giving that information uh, appending the the lead form and giving that to sales so that sales has better information to have a better and a higher quality conversation but that's a training exercise a lot of times marketing needs to get involved in sales training it's not 
the salespeople don't care how many leads that they generate. All that you generate, all they care about is, am I going to make my quota? And if you can show that you're generating the right amount of leads to help them hit their quota so that they hit their accelerators so that they can, you know, put braces on their kids' teeth, that's what's important to them. Trying okay, and to then, and then, heads. Yeah, and then, but going back the other way, it's also, I think, um, as, as part of that interface we're talking about between marketing and sales is that you have to set expectations of responsiveness because, like you said, leads go cold, whether it's an online form fill or a phone call very quickly and so there's got to be kind of a in the hosting business they call it a SLA or service level agreement like what's an acceptable downtime or what's an acceptable delay before you answer a customer service call you know in a call center those same kind of things have to apply to sales because it's not you know I might be sending you good quality leads but you decide to go to lunch before you call them back well you just killed it and, and you know, and you bring up a good point, Tim. That um, typically marketing has an SLA with sales, such as we're going to give you X number of leads or whatever it is, right? And and I have a goal that I have to hit. So at HubSpot, my goal was fifty thousand net new leads per month. Okay, to be able to feed the one hundred plus salespeople on the floor. But their SLA back to to me was that if they did not connect with the customer, it was rotated out within forty eight hours. They had to touch it. And so we were doing lead generation seven days a week. So even if we did lead generation on Saturday, they had two days to touch that lead or it goes to somebody else that's going to work it. And and those are some of the agreements that you can do within your customer, your CRM to be able to make that happen. You can take the lead away from them. Not pretty, but it works. Okay. So, um, so those are kind of, I guess, uh, policy level, organizational agreements that have to be made right up front so everybody's expectations are clear. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and, and what typically happens in organizations like that is you have to have a good relationship with the sales leadership that it can't – sales wants to hit their number. They're, they're being beat on by the CEO and the board of directors. That's their number. And typically, as you pointed out earlier in this conversation – uh, sales kind of blames marketing a lot of times when they don't hit their number. And how can you have the level of transparency in the marketing organization to show that you're doing your job and that you're, you can have a seat at the table to show the CEO you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing? Yeah, well, and that's and I think that, you know, as marketers, I'll, I'll take my fair and, and the appropriate share of the blame because, you know, wh- what that pressure does to us is it gives us what I call – uh, greedy marketer syndrome, <laughs> you know, where, we, where we ask for the bottom of the funnel grab. We ask for the full ask, if you will, mm-hmm. we, you know, the long form. I mean, I, was, I keep using this kind of as a, as a, as a joke. Um, you know, Adobe's test and target division has this white paper, and they had a landing page for it, rethinking the role of the landing page in conversion or something like that. And to get this white paper, you had to fill out a 12-field form. <laughs> Right. Of course, and, it's, yes. and what was going to happen? I mean, white, I'm just trying to download a white paper. Obviously, my intent is really early in the in the sales process, if at all. Right. And you're, and I know you're going to hammer on me and call me. I mean, that's so. What we what we do is, as marketers, we ask for too much information too uh, early in the process without having built the trust, and yep. then we and then the salespeople go, well, yeah, it's all filled out, but this is a crap lead. Exactly. Uh, so I want to explore this after we come back from. From our next break, and I also want to hear about your um, nefarious past. I understand once you were 
sharing a limo ride with Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> I, I don't get no respect. Oh. All right, we'll be back in two minutes after a word from our sponsors. More LPO landing page optimization in just a moment. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate, display media, or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most influential PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest in digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G digital.com. If you're constantly struggling to find more customers, revenue, or hours in the day, Infusionsoft can help you have the business you've always wanted. For over 10 years, Infusionsoft has been helping business owners just like you find the financial freedom and peace of mind you've been searching for. I'm Scott Martineau, co-founder of Infusionsoft. If you're struggling to find more customers, more revenue, or more hours in the day, Infusionsoft is the proven solution you're looking for. Infusionsoft, the only all-in-one sales and marketing software created specifically for small businesses. Learn more at www.infusionsoft.com slash radio. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Advance your affiliate marketing efforts every week on Affiliate Buzz. Our hosts, James and Arlene Martell, are here to inspire, inform, and motivate you with expert insight, interviews, and information that will increase your bottom line. Affiliate Buzz, on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to LPO, Landing Page Optimization, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's Tim Ash. And we're back. This is your host, Tim Ash, for LPO, Landing Page Optimization. Now, Gene, before the break, I mentioned your nefarious <laughs> past. How do you end up in a limo with Rodney Dangerfield? Come well, on. Let me just tell you, he sweats. He really, he, he was a real sweater. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, you always saw that. You thought it was an act. It's true. And in February in New York City, there is an annual toy fair. And I worked for Milton Bradley Company, and I was 20 years old at the time. And this was towards the tail end of his career. And he was doing a board game called I Don't Get No Respect. It was just a simple <laughs> path track game. But he, we paid him for an appearance. And I was the person that had to go in the limo, go to the airport pick him up babysit him a babysit him and it was i was terrified it was one of those things that you just don't expect that and it was and you asked me something strange that i did and and that's just one of those things my kids have no idea who rodney dangerfield is but you do so that's good yeah well you know uh the the older i get the better i was that's all i have to say Uh, (laughs) all right well uh for those of you who don't know rodney dangerfield 
You should. <laughs> One of the funniest one-liner guys around. Uh, all right. Well, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, now, we, uh, what I want to focus on are just some st- kind of strategy tips for doing the marketing piece and the online lead generation piece right. Now, one thing that uh, we've touched on is with demand base, if you know something about the person, don't ask for the information. Right? Are you, tell me about uh, whether you're a fan of shorter forms. Well, it, it depends, and, and I'll tell you at HubSpot, I did a very specific test, actually. I did a couple of different tests, and I totally recommend that you should be testing the number of form fields, the number of offers to be able to see what the conversion is. So I tested at HubSpot because uh, our landing pages, because we had built up such trust with the audience that our conversions were in the 50% range in terms of net new leads. So we had a lot of, yeah, I know, exactly. Very high conversions, a good quality content. People knew what they could expect. And we had 11 form fields. And you talked earlier about having 12 form fields. And there was no auto population. And why we didn't auto populate the fields was that a lot of times, the first time that somebody came to fill out a form, they would give erroneous information in terms of the number of the employees, maybe not the telephone number. But the second or third time that they would come back, they would actually update that information. And so it would update and would correct our database. That's why we didn't auto populate. But I tested, and I hope this is okay to talk about, I tested doing a simple email because I had their information. So I tested that and then I tested the 11 form fields. So for the email, I was up to like 57.8% on the conversions, but all I had really was their email address at that point. So I had to nurture them to get them to give me more information. But if I did the 11 form fields, I was at 54%. So I had even 11 form fields at 54% were worth more to me than a single field at 57.8%. Okay, so there you go. So, there, so everything has a kind of a, a counterexample or, you know, you should test that. <laughs> right, and what right. I mean is, I mean, you have, you have kind of a bizarre level of trust because of the right. thought leadership and content marketing that HubSpot does so yep. well. Uh, but I, I have to say, it just in most circumstances, if you're more of a – uh, it's, just, it's just the opposite. They they don't know, pardon me, crap about your company, sure. and you don't have a high level of trust. And in those settings, I would say it's it's almost uh, as a kind of a, a rule written in stone that you should ask for less information because they don't feel like they know you or that you have a lot to give. So ask for and, as little as you can and and give as much as you can in return. Well, that's the equitable exchange, right? And David Meerman Scott, he always he, he gives away his books, for example, for nothing. He doesn't even ask for an email. He wants to share. And that's sort of the ultimate in inbound marketing, getting giving away something for nothing. And getting an email in exchange for a high-level bit of content. The challenge is I think many marketers don't understand the exercise of delivering something of value. And, and what they're asking for, their ask is dependent upon what their offer is. And, right. and that's well, one well, of the well, well, there has to be kind of some proportionality, I guess. Yes. In other words, a good content marketing strategy will recognize that the people earlier in the process have less invested in you. So you have to give them more for less. So don't ask for anything. Give them the download. Maybe later you ask for an email address. Then you have to build them up to the bigger ass where you actually get a more detailed form fill or an inbound call. So it's got to be proportional to their level of engagement and commitment to you, I would say. It has to be 
kind of properly calibrated, and you have to have all those downstream things, that notion of progressive disclosure and collecting the full information over time. If you don't have all that built, it's not going to work because you, you know, you're asking for a little bit of information. There's still a standing broad jump to the full form field without a <laughs> an, an excellent point. That whole progressive profiling, that is such a key point. And what ends up happening, and I'm going to go back to what we talked about in the beginning. Marketers don't give themselves enough time to build a quality database. A lot of marketers in the B2B space, they say, I know who my audience is. I understand I, I, you know, I have an audience of six. 6,000, I have a database of 10,000 people, whatever it is, and they don't realize that it's, it is a game of inches and it doesn't happen overnight. But they're all looking for the quick hit and in the process of looking for the quick, quick hit, they're damaging their relationship with the sales organization. So I think a, most salespeople would prefer fewer, higher quality leads that they can work versus a deluge of low-quality leads. And that's okay, where that disconnect happens. Okay, so let's, let's talk about the reality of this because one of the things that you know, I've always felt is you know, we have a broken educational system in this country. I don't think that's up for debate. <laughs> uh, but, but all the experts say you basically you have to catch, some, catch people from the very start. Good prenatal vitamins and screening, good, uh, universal um, you know, preschool. And so by the time you know, all those indicators ripple through, by the time they get to high school, you have somebody that's much better prepared for modern life, right? But so th- what we need to do is kind of have a lost generation where a certain group of students just kind of eats it. And then we do it right for the new group coming up and from then on. So it's the same thing. What, uh, what a lot of sales organizations are afraid of is that there will be a burp in the pipeline. <laughs> that while you go back and start doing leads right, in the short term, the, the lead flow is going to suffer. What, what do you have to tell them? That that's an excellent point, and it, that happens in a lot of organizations where, well, let's face it, at the end of a quarter, many companies discount, and we've trained our customers to be able to wait for the 20% off in the last two weeks of every quarter in order to be able to get the discount. But as a marketer, you can probably split things up if you needed to do the quick hits. That's what paid's all about. That's what Google AdWords is for. You spend more money, you get more leads. doesn't mean they're good quality, but if that's what they need in terms of numbers but on the side you should always be running away to be able to get these higher quality leads and I would recommend an experiment with a couple of salespeople if you have a 10 person team talk to the sales leadership and say I want to work with one or two salespeople and be able to give them these particular leads to see if they convert better and give it a 90 day trial I know at HubSpot, Mark Roberge, who is the Senior Vice President of Sales and Service, he loves experimentation. So it was always great to be able to get him to try some of these different things early in the cycle, late in the cycle, um, these types of customers, these type number of employees. Think about how you might be able to experiment. One well, well, size here, does yeah, not fit, fit no, all. No, no, it doesn't. And, and here, so, so we have had clients that have done this. And here's my recommended protocol, if you will. I don't mean to get all geeky wonky scientist on you but you actually want to do this completely blind so you do this across all of your salespeople because uh you know, the quality of the salespeople varies widely um and what you do is you you know you mix your good leads in with the short-term quick hit leads that you're getting from pay-per-click and then you just watch the outcomes and you say hey look uh, after the fact across the whole sales force there's a much higher close rate on the higher quality leads 
and that's why they're worth waiting for and investing more in because um, all of you had across the board lower scores for those really kind of unqualified guys that we, we threw in, at you and tried to load level by buying the traffic. That's a challenge, Tim, because you're burning leads. If you if you know that sales team members are all over the place, do you really want to give a gold lead to somebody that's a marginal performer? This is I, a one-time exercise. There's a cost okay. to testing, and I mean your you point should. is 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 fair. Like if you have an underperforming versions in a landing page split test, that's mm-hmm. costing you real money. But that's yep. for a limited amount of time in order to get to lock in and affect a permanent advantage or a new uh, process improvement. Exactly. So, so I say take the hit. I mean, yes, it's a real cost. Yeah, it, but you have to make sure that everybody understands what the investment is and what you're trying to achieve. Well, ideally, yeah, at the leadership level, but ideally the salespeople don't even know that there's a mix of leads coming in or what their sources are. Well, typically, I, I like the sales guys to see what the sources are on the lead flow. Um, unfortunately, you're absolutely right that there's a built-in bias um, for certain leads like pay-per-click. They, they don't want to call them, so they don't call them, and therefore it doesn't perform as well. Um, that's why I have a BDR team to be able to follow up on those if, if those leads are Okay, aren't give worked. us again. Okay, that's another MLA or multi-letter <laughs> acronym. What's BDR? For our- Business development rep. I referenced it earlier. So okay. it's a sort of an inside sales person, a lower level trainee type person that's actually following up on the leads that the more senior salespeople possibly reject. And in any given organization, the statistics show that the sales team, and this is where marketers have to realize this, the sales team only works 20 to 25% of the leads that you generate. I don't care what quality they are. I don't care how awesome they are. They are only going to work 20 to 25% of the leads. Inside sales says this, a number of sales organizations say this, something to think about. It's not you. It's really not you as the marketer. You have to understand what they're capable of following up on. Right, just the total volume that you can assign yeah. to to a rep. Okay, well, you know, we could probably go on like this, uh, Gene, for days uh, <laughs> or weeks. Uh, I love this a, stuff. <laughs> yeah, fascinating conversation. Unfortunately, we're out of time. And uh, I just want to do, a, again, a quick shout-out for Conversion Conference. You've spoken there before. Folks, if, you're, if you want a drink from the fire hose and – uh, learn from very approachable thought leaders like Gene. Come out to Boston, September 30th, October 1st, for the Conversion Conference East. Uh, we, or if you're in Europe, come to Berlin, where I'll be keynoting, or London later in the fall. So, uh, Gene, thanks again for your time and your insights, and uh, we'll see you guys on the flip side. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.